Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether, the low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and uh, today is very exciting for both of us, but especially for me, because <laughs> Chrono Cross has been re-released to the world in the Radical Dreamers edition. You have played Chrono Cross for the first time, right? This is your yeah. first time playing it? Yeah, I never played it before. I know that you've been enjoying it, and I'm so excited to hear about it, because yeah. this game means a lot to me. So Yeah, uh, so I, I guess a, a little bit of background. We recently played Chrono Trigger for the Nintendo yes. DS. Uh, that was our first bonus of the year in January. Great experience. Really yeah. good experience. I went back and listened to that episode again in preparation for this episode, because I wanted to just like remember all the plot points of Chrono Trigger, specifically leading into Chrono Cross and seeing how they, how they merge uh, or don't. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't played Chrono Trigger, just want to say again, you should play that game. It's really good. It's available on like every platform. Uh, You can also get it on the DS, but like it's on your phone. Uh, It's not on the Switch. That's the (laughs) the annoying one. It's really surprising to me that they haven't done that or they didn't do it in anticipation of this. Yeah, I I think I wonder if this was kind of an attempt, the Radical Dreamers edition to like give Chrono Cross its own spotlight. I think if they if they had like a chrono pack that was like Trigger, Cross and Radical Dreamers, which would have been amazing. Yeah, it would be incredible. That would be really cool. But I, I think I, I just wonder if, if this is sort of like a way Square could give the game like kind of a second chance in a sense, because Chrono Cross did really well when it came out. It came out in 1999 on the PS1. And I think like I would say Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy IX are the two PS1 games that are like like a butterfly emerging from the cocoon into PS2. Like they look like PS2 games. But they really do. PS1. Yeah. They're both like the gold standard for that really awkward era of pre-rendered backgrounds with 3D character over it. Yes. The the Fantasian era, if you will. Um, <laughs> Cross, I actually, I played Cross first because... Chrono Trigger came out. I was like a little too young to understand what it was or even want it. I was just sort of playing Mario at that point. I was like (laughs) five when it came out. Yeah. But I was nine when Cross came out. And Ah. boy, did I get it. Well, boy, (laughs) did I rent it and then like wanted it. (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant boy, did I get it. Like I understood Chrono Cross. I don't know if I if I understand Chrono Cross now. Yeah, I was about to ask you a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of why I loved it as a kid. I mean, I didn't. So, you know, Chrono Cross did very well. It, It sold very well. It was well received critically. But it was such a different experience and still is such a different experience from Chrono Trigger that I think a lot of fans who wanted a more direct sequel kind of rejected it. And I think when you talk to fans of either game, there's like a lot of discourse about like, you know, is it a good sequel? Should it be judged on its own merits? You know, all that. Because by all means, it's very much its own game until it isn't. Like, I think that Cross is kind of haunted by its predecessor, which I think kind of informs the narrative in a weird way, because... Mm. Without spoiling too much, Cross is all about parallel dimensions and like, what if you did things differently? How would the world look? Right. Which to me is like one of the best ways to follow up, like what is considered maybe one of the best games ever made. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, right. I think the worst thing Cross could have been is like just more of the same. Cause I think it would have, even though that's what people wanted at the time, I think it would have not been as fondly remembered as this very strange very ambitious, messy follow-up. So just like real quick, my experience with it was like playing it as a kid and loving it, not knowing Chrono Trigger was even a thing. Mm. Um, And then in college, I got Chrono Trigger on the DS and really fell in love with it. And then kind of had what people had in 99 where I was like, oh, I kind of see why people were disappointed with Cross. And like, I mean, Trigger is like this, this gem of like quintessential RPG gold standard. 
Yeah. You know, so it's like very hard to compare any game to that, never mind its direct sequel. But then as time has gone on, like I, I've even brought cross to the show a couple times and like ironically i feel like when i've brought it up in the past it's kind of been like yeah it's cool like i haven't been as effusive about it even though it has this like very important role in my childhood and kind of opening my mind to what fantasy could accomplish emotionally especially as a video game but for whatever reason when we revisited chrono trigger i've been increasingly excited to replay cross i even streamed a bit of me returning to it on my ps2 right before they announced radical dreamers coming out so i feel like i've been kind of like really pulled back by this game and i've been really enjoying revisiting it so that's that's my history overall with it yeah, I think I think you said something along the lines in one of the episodes where we talked about it. I think you said it's a really good game and not a great sequel. Yeah, which seems to be, uh, I, I think, the the vibe that I've been getting from a lot of discussions because I've been like spending a lot of time, as I generally do with this kind of stuff, like in forums from the early 2000s and seeing what people <laughs> thought about it back then, um, yeah. which, you know, a horrible place to be that corner of the Internet. Uh, it's not good. You know, yeah. Early gamer forums. <laughs> but uh that that does seem to be the vibe. Um, and like you, when I when I finished playing Trigger and they announced the Radical Dreamers edition, because I, I was pretty gung ho on just like immediately diving like right into Chrono Cross. My, like I yeah. got it on my Vita. I was like, I'm ready to do this. Um, I ordered the Ein Odin, which is like a handheld emulator that's kind of in, in the shape of like a switch light and is powerful enough to run like PS2 stuff. And I was like, man, I'm going to I'm going to play Chrono Cross on one of these two devices and I don't know which one yet. And then, of course, they immediately announced the Radical Dreamers edition and uh, that was coming out on Switch like pretty soon pretty soon being now in april uh so i held <laughs> off and uh i've been i've been really looking forward to it and it came out and i started playing it and i am like madly 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 in love with this game yes. because he, here's the thing playing chrono trigger don't kill me playing chrono trigger did feel like homework a bit but sure i loved it like it was it was like when you're in like your english literature class and they hand you a book that you love you know and you have to read it it is homework but you're enjoying it. That's how I felt about <laughs> Chrono Trigger while I was doing it. Chrono Cross, I started playing kind of under the same like concept in my brain. I was like, okay, I guess this is just like how I'm going to try and make my way through Chrono Cross. Like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to like force myself to play it for an hour every day until it's over. And then I sat down and I played for like four straight hours and I like couldn't put it down. I, I had I had some grievances about the opening, which we'll get into. But as soon as I got past that was like, no, I love this game. And I, I all I want to do is be playing it like I, I have picked up Lego Star Wars, whatever Skywalker collection, I think it's called. Like I have not even open like I have that game and i haven't even opened it yet because every time i sit down to play a video game this week it has been chrono cross um <laughs> which has been great except for the instances in which i'm on the subway because i'm not bringing my switch with me so i've been playing the ds but outside of that chrono cross pretty much all week um i'm pretty far into it i think my hour count says like 12 i think i'm at like 12 hours in yeah you're you're definitely done with like the first couple acts of the game i would say so yeah. originally it was two discs the classic ps1 mm. rpg style right and i'm trying to remember like when disc two started but like you're approaching disc two cool. so i would say like you're Same. kind of like a third of the way through overall oh, that's awesome yeah so i'll just say i guess on like the highest level possible i've tried playing a lot of rpgs from this era specifically like the final fantasy games yeah and none of them have really hooked me like i haven't i haven't finished any of them i've gotten like kind of far into a couple of them like seven, for example, obviously I got pretty far into. Yeah. Nine, I also played a whole bunch of. 
Eight, I really didn't like at all. Eight will come up again <laughs> later, which I'm excited to talk about. But this this game to me does not feel like a PlayStation one game. It doesn't even feel to me in some cases like a PlayStation two game. Like it just feel it feels which is apt for what it is. It feels kind of like out of time in a way. It does. Yeah, it feels surprisingly modern. It has some really shocking ideas about how a JRPG should be built like mechanically. Uh, the combat is wild and very interesting and I think off-putting immediately and then once you lock into it is like, oh, no, this is actually maybe brilliant and has so much quality of life stuff that I'm upset again, just like I was with Chrono Trigger. I'm upset again that this game did not like inspire everybody else to just like steal. From yeah, it. the idea of like being able to like when you finish a battle, it asks you if you want to heal your party and gives you the option of like, do you want to just use the spells you have that can cure or do you want to use consumable items? Right. And like that should just be in every JRPG. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I should, yeah. every time I'm done with a battle in any RPG, I have to hop into a menu and then go find the person who has the heal spell and then heal everybody. It's like, no, 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 no. You just do it here. There's a whole second layer of this as well, where like you're not actually draining mana or anything either. So it's like it doesn't even yeah. cost you anything to do this stuff. It's wild. We're getting very in the weeds already. Point being, <laughs> the thing about Chrono Cross is that as a person who is like, I, I think at this point, like I'm a fan of the genre. And I, yeah, I, I you're know, I've said many times, like I wasn't when we started the show. And over the course of it, I've been like trying to play all the hits, essentially. And Chrono Cross, like I don't even know if it is one of the hits, but I am enjoying it a lot. I I'm definitely making my way through it in such a way where I'm starting to realize for myself that like I think I like this more than Chrono Trigger, which is wow. a thing that you and I had hypothesized would happen to me. Yeah. Um, and like feels weirdly on brand for me as well. But on top of that, I just like I'm just floored by it. And you you specifically we've delayed our recording session for today by a couple hours because I was at a point that you were like, I need you to see this before we start. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad we did because I've now seen glimpses of the ambition that this game has beyond what I was already enjoying. Like there is a whole second side to this game that I didn't even consider was a possibility. And now I have literally no idea where the game is going to go. And that's very exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. the key word with Chrono Cross for both its accomplishments and its flaws is ambition. Like it is mm -hmm. one of still one of the most ambitious JRPGs you can play. There's over 40 playable characters there's this wildly unique battle system that's a kind of a hybrid of real time and turn base where like when you go to attack you're given three choices like okay do i want to go for like a weak hit that has a high percentage of hitting do i want to go for like a moderate hit that's in the middle or like a really strong hit that has a low chance of hitting i always go for that one you know me i always go for three it misses every time <laughs> it's like, yeah. i just love the animation Can i like yeah. dive into this because i, Please. I i've been trying to figure out like an easy way to describe how the combat yeah, system yeah, yeah. works because i once i figured out how it worked i absolutely loved like i think it's amazing and it's I, a great system yeah it would be weird if anyone else ever used it i think you know because mm, like yes. a it just visually it's hard to parse unless you're told how it works and b like anyone who tried to do this would be like you're just copying chrono cross which i think like taking turn-based combat systems you know from one game to the other like dragon quest or final fantasy or whatever or like golden sun for example like takes from all of those games like that's normal right it's like oh yeah turn-based combat like that's how it works chrono cross has like a completely different version of it and as much as i love it like you can never do it again unfortunately unless 
unless you're making a sequel to this, which I don't think they ever would. Anyway, the way it works is you have seven stamina. Each character has seven stamina. Just bear with me. Already it's, dizzy. Yeah, I know. It's very silly. No, uh, I love e- it. Each character has seven stamina. So when it's their turn to move, they can use this seven stamina in any way they want. And the ways are the way Stephen was just talking about. You have a light, a medium and a heavy attack. Light takes one stamina. Medium takes two three or heavy takes three and you can see as Stephen was saying the percentage chance of those hitting so like in every game you have this accuracy stat that's like kind of behind the scenes where you don't really know your odds of hitting in this case you can do these three kinds of attacks and you can see exactly how likely they are every time you land an attack it makes everything else more probable to hit as well yeah Uh, so like if you were to just do like a light attack a light attack a light attack and then a light attack and you have three stamina left that means you can do a heavy attack and it'll probably be close to 100 might not be 100 chance to hit but like it'll be close to 100 chance which is pretty cool while you land hits this is the specific thing if you're able to land these hits the percentage chance of hitting is like extremely important if you can land a hit it fills up what is kind of like a mana bar in a way yeah but the further your uh the further your mana bar raises the more powerful moves you can use and that stuff is really cool i mean like i i find that really interesting this like kind of trade-off between like i need to land a bunch of hits so i can fill up the mana bar and then like maybe in two turns i can use one of these moves is really interesting outside of that when you've drained all your mana if another person in your party goes and hits people you will get that stamina back for that first character so like if if they're at zero stamina and the other person lands three attacks in a row that'll fill up their stamina again so you're constantly like bouncing back and forth between your different characters and deciding like okay how risky do i want to get on this move am i just using this person's turn to fill up their mana bar so they can use spells and attacks and whatever or am i using like am i using their move specifically to like unleash a big magic attack and then i'm gonna use the other two party members to like refill their stamina etc etc it's it's way more involved than any turn-based combat system i've used and it feels really daunting right at the beginning of the game especially because like literally the very very beginning of the game they throw you into it and don't explain it at all which (laughs) which almost turned me off from the game honestly yeah and i'm glad i pushed past that because eventually there is a tutorial and they explain all the stuff that i'm talking about right now but once you get past all that and you start to lock into it and like you start to unlock more interesting spells and dual techs like you had in chrono trigger which there aren't very many but when you get them they're cool yeah and you start to understand the way the elemental system works because i mean like pokemon adjacent there's you know different elements uh each character has like an innate element that's like oh i'm a fire guy it's like cool yeah use water attacks against them etc etc um (laughs) as you start to lock into all that stuff and it like clicks into place the battle system is just like so fun and so rewarding of experimentation and like really i love the experience of like going into a battle this is one of my favorite things in the world you can go into any battle this includes boss battles you can run away yes and they Uh, just wait there yeah yeah they just hang out so i i love the experience of like running into a boss battle seeing what their element is and then being like see ya going back and then changing all my (laughs) spells around and then going back in with the right spells to like line up with whatever they're weak to um and then fucking them up uh it's great it's so fun like that just by itself just the combat system by itself i'm like really drawn in by it reminds me a lot of octopath traveler which is a thing we bring up constantly on this show yeah but like octopath had a great battle system it's really really fun where it started to get really weak was the way the story progressed over time like it started off really strong and the further in you got it was like oh this is kind of dragging on a lot of the stories resolve in ways that you expect them to like there's not a real there's not a whole lot of subversion there's not a lot of risk taking i think on the narrative end 
of that game. They really yeah. focus on the battle system. And this game has a wildly good battle system. And the story is like super compelling, at least so yeah. far. And I'm interested to know like when it starts to trip over itself, because that seems to be like coming. And I just don't know when or how. <laughs> I think it remains gripping at least like there's definitely like constantly mystery and I think like the themes it explores are pretty rich in my opinion I think the game is best when it's small like I think that exploring the what ifs with characters like making decisions in their lives and it's like oh I like how it applies to everyone in the game like you'll run into NPCs you know like early on in your starting town there's a woman who's a waitress in like this bar and she is a poet as well and like in one dimension she's talking about like you know she recites a poem she wrote to you and then in the other one she's like giving it up kind of thing so it's she like, gave up poetry like five or six years ago yeah i don't think we ever even said that directly but chrono trigger is about traveling through time and trying to influence time uh by like yes. going back and changing things and seeing how it affects the future and chrono cross specifically is about traveling between two separate versions of the same world so it's like two dimensions exactly so the inciting event essentially the protagonist it's told to the player that he almost drowned when he was seven but was saved and now lives this carefree life in this fishing village but in the other dimension that he's sucked into in the beginning of the game he actually drowned yeah so like that's sort of the big reveal of the differences and like there's just so much attention to detail with that and i just love how that applies to all 40 plus characters you can get (laughs) and you can even bring those characters to meet their other self and see how they react and it's like i love doing yeah that stuff is re- and you're rewarded for it often like that is how you unlock some characters like final move or you know best equipment oh interesting or whatever. cool yeah so that like the world never stops being interesting i think for me without spoiling the game eventually tries to more like directly tether itself to chrono trigger mm. and that's actually like there's some really really cool connections don't get me wrong but there's some stuff where it's like you're you're dumping info on me in a way that is like making this less interesting mm. i think cross really really succeeds at being a very atmospheric game it feels very dreamlike yeah. with the music and like even the fact that there isn't really like a hugely direct plot for a lot of the game i mean like the inciting event is more of like a a mystery and then you meet Kid, who's sort of the the other protagonist of the game, the driving force of the game. And she is this thief with a heart of gold who wants to sneak into a manor. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of all you're given for the first like 10 hours. Right. Whereas in Chrono Trigger, it's like you you learn very quickly the world is going to be destroyed by this alien parasite and you all decide that you want to stop it. So Chrono Trigger is a very, very simple setup that kind of blossoms into being more interesting. Whereas Cross is kind of this like very surreal loose story and I think the moments where it suddenly decides it wants to like be more direct are when it loses me like I kind of Mm. almost wish it was more loose I I like the fact that we're just sort of this like essentially this ghost who doesn't belong to this world's history yeah exploring the world and seeing the differences and seeing I think too the combat that you mentioned like I don't think it's a coincidence that the combat makes you make decisions it constantly like even when you just hit attack it's like well how do you attack yeah and how did that change this battle like the whole game is kind of built around this idea of regret in a way or at least like yeah wondering what if yeah i think on an earlier episode um you said uh what if every single person you talked to was uh in high school or like their high school angst just kind of like leaked out it's like 
that that is the vibe of this game is like every single person <laughs> that you speak to has some kind of like pseudo profound thing to say to you. Uh, yeah. And maybe they have something like the poet that you're talking about that they gave up. And then, you know, in another dimension, they didn't give it up and they're much happier or they're not or they regret uh, not giving it up or whatever. And you can like go back and forth between the two versions of themselves and then like talk to them about what you heard in the other universe. And first of all, try and convince them that there is another universe, another version of them in the first place, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. It's just like you can constantly make decisions like that that are really 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 silly but every npc does have this kind of like soliloquy that they hit you with uh every time it reminds me a lot i don't want to say too much uh for spoiler reasons but there's a place called zeal in chrono trigger uh i won't i won't say much about it but there's a place called zeal and every person you talk to is kind of this vibe like every single person yes has this like very uh philosophic twinge to them and it makes sense for that location and it makes less sense for every person in this entire game to have that vibe <laughs> uh, but they sure do and honestly it works for me it works for me more than it yeah. doesn't like i i really first of all like the tropical energy of the game is yes. great uh it's really fun i love all the towns i love all the people in the towns i love that i'm like just kind of sailing around the world and listening to great music, which I you cannot overstate how good the soundtrack for this game is. Yeah. This it, might be the best game soundtrack. It might like, be. Truly. Like, actually. I've been listening to it yeah. for my entire life, and I used it a lot in a D&D game I ran. So I think a very, like wide emotional attachment to the soundtrack like on a personal level and like yeah. outside the game and i think even without that like hearing the songs immediately makes you nostalgic especially if you played chrono trigger because the homeworld theme is this really beautiful song and there's either i can't tell if it's like a sitar or a synthetic steel drum it's like somewhere mm. in the middle between the two but that instrument plays the chrono trigger theme kind yes. of like loosely in the middle of this new song which i, I love that so much yeah it's uh it's a shocking soundtrack and the way the way yeah. it fits with the overall vibe of the world is just really killer. The, th- the thing about this game that like really strikes the perfect balance for me is a lot of the things that people are talking about and, and a lot of the thematic arcs of the overall story are definitely like a little bit darker and a little yeah. bit more contemplative than you would expect. But the world is so colorful and so buoyant yes. and so fun to be in that it, it almost doesn't even register when things get really dark sometimes until it gets like really dark. And I think it makes those moments hit. Like, I think it works because of that. It, that that can sound, I imagine, if you're if you're just listening to this podcast, and you haven't played the game. I, I could see somebody hearing that and thinking like that is that that sounds like tonal whiplash. That doesn't sound good. But like it really manages to strike a very fine line between the two in ways that works more than it doesn't, at least for me in the first. 12 hours but even if it like completely falls on its face later that's 12 hours of striking a really stellar balance in 1999 on the playstation one that's like really surprising (laughs) yeah i mean i think i would say that partially the reason why i i think that the sort of last act gets a little messier is that like it's again it's it's a more ambiguous story i think it's I think that like there might have been pressure almost to make it more of a direct narrative because so much of the beginning is this kind of like, you know, there there's a inciting moment, but a lot of it is sort of just exploring and soaking in this world. It feels a lot like Dragon Quest XI, where, mm-hmm. you know, the first 30 hours of that game is just like 
vignettes in places. <laughs> yeah, know? right. Just, you're just getting like little seasons of a show in a new town or a new place. And yeah, yeah. The, the setting of Chrono Cross continues to inspire me. I've mentioned many times that I love like nautical fantasy and it's largely because of this game, I would say. Like this setting, especially as a kid, was so exciting. Like the moment you step out of Arnie Village and it's the world map and you hear that song, it just, it really, it really inspired me and still does. See, so yeah, I mean, I think like, Going back to sort of the 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 sort of rejection of Chrono fans to Chrono Cross, I think that's largely kind of gone away. I think that there's still like debate, but I would say like I'm glad that this game is getting a chance to just stand on its own and not right. have that pressure of like, you know, I mean, it's kind of surreal to think about there was only like a four year, five year difference between right. Trigger and Cross. And I think at that time, like mid to late 90s to early 2000s, technology was changing very quickly. Yes. You know, I think we've kind of reached this like, like technology continues to grow quickly, but in terms of like games and how they look and how we experience them, things have like kind of simmered down since 2010. Like nothing is that yes. different. Yeah. Look, look at the best looking game four years ago and the best looking game now, and you can kind of see the lineage, but look at right. Chrono Trigger to Chrono Cross, which are also four years apart and it's completely night and day. Or even wild. like FF7 to Chrono Cross. Like that was like a two year difference <laughs> yeah, on the same true. system, you know? Right. And like, I mean, I do think about early 360 in a similar light where it's like, look at a blue and then look at Skyrim. It's like <laughs> they were figuring out the next wave of 3D, and Oblivion was like right when puberty hit. But uh, yeah, I think I think Cross still really works, and I think that like sequels that take these risks tend to age better. You know, again, I think a lot about Zelda and, you know, Ocarina of Time almost kind of being akin to Chrono Trigger as this like definitive gold standard of like, mm-hmm. here is a very classic adventure that is heightened by its uniqueness and like the twist within it. But like it's following a very clear hero's journey formula. Right. And it's this like defining moment in a lot of people's lives. And then the follow ups to that were Majora's Mask and Wind Waker, which were like very radically different. Totally. And in a weird way, I feel like <laughs> if you combined the like moody and surrealness of Majora's Mask with the brightness and adventure of Wind Waker, you kind of get Chrono Cross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's I think that's not a coincidence my brain went to those places. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I'm curious how you'll feel by the end. I have a pretty strong feeling your opinion won't change too much. And I think it really is like, you know, it, when comparing Chrono Trigger to Chrono Cross, if they weren't made by the same team, you wouldn't otherwise compare them because they're so different. Yeah, I think it's probably also worth mentioning again a little bit of the background of this game like yeah chrono trigger is kind of known as being you know this like jrpg supergroup in a way where you have yeah. you have the creator of final fantasy and the creator of dragon quest like teaming up at square I guess it was Squaresoft at the time uh, to yeah. make Chrono Trigger. Uh, you have Nobu, Matsu, and uh, Mitsuda making the soundtrack, just like the greatest hits team of everybody working together and making this thing. And, and Akira Toriyama as well with the with the characters. Right, and Akira Toriyama with the, yeah. with, with the art. And essentially, Chrono Cross is by like the B team of, of that super group. It the was new like, guys, yeah. Right, yeah. it was like, you know, okay, so you had... Toriyama and Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest creators all working together and they're kind of like the headliners weirdly of Chrono Trigger and then it was like all the opening acts is who made Cross and you can feel that you can feel like it's a team of people like really trying to like put a stamp on it and say like we want this to be our Chrono Trigger in a way and I think that maybe is 
where a lot of the expectation management kind of goes out the window for people. If I had to guess between yeah. trigger and cross is like, OK, it's not going to be Chrono Trigger again because like the, the driving forces behind that game are gone at this point. So like, you know, what is this going to be? But also at the same time, it's the thing you and I were talking about off the show a little bit yesterday. But maybe the move was to make this like a Final Fantasy kind of thing. Like maybe the move was to make it like, you know, yeah, it has Chrono in the name. But like it's a spiritual successor to Trigger. It's not an actual sequel to Trigger. Like maybe was the move. And I don't know. I'll see how I feel about it by the time it's over. Uh, but I, I, I could see that being like the overarching feeling that like maybe it would be better if it was just like telling its own story about traveling back and forth between dimensions because it's it had the potential to be very clean, at least in where I'm at. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. In one universe, you died and the other one you didn't. And the game is all about like exploring the choices that people made and, and dealing with regret. And uh, that's nice in the same way that Chrono Trigger was about like environmental collapse, essentially, um, and yeah. like overusing resources in the earth, like very clean, very clean theme going on here. Uh, but the more Chrono Cross tries to tie in with that, like I could see that kind of falling apart a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited to get back to it and revisit it because I think the other part of it, too, was like playing Cross first with no knowledge of Chrono Trigger. There's yeah. a point where they briefly recap what happened. And I was like, what the fuck? Is oh, happening? man. Like, yeah. not know it. Like at one point, someone's like, OK, so like a bunch of kids like travel back in time to beat Lavos, this alien parasite. I'm like, oh, wow. OK, they're going places here. <laughs> Um, it, I felt like an NPC being told by Surge that there's another dimension. It's like yeah. that was like I was like getting creeped out by the game. <laughs> but again, I think if you're enjoying it now, like you've already you're getting the bulk of what the experience is. And I think a lot of it is the music and the atmosphere and the artwork. And, yeah. you know, it's worth pointing out that this has kind of gotten mixed reviews like I think pretty much the through line between the more positive reviews and the more critical ones is that like it's still great to play Chrono Cross which is kind of all I cared about you know like I think we were talking a bit off the show how I think the term remaster is so ambiguous that sometimes expectations are kind of across the board like remaster can be said for something like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 plus 2 which is essentially a ground up remake that's like here, here are the games as they were but in like a fully new package or it can mean like here's a port with like a fast forward button right you know and like this is similar to I've seen a lot of comparisons to the Final Fantasy 8 remaster where like it's essentially a port with like some attempt to improve the visuals in some way and like I have to say like it's mixed results the game plays fine on my end I'm playing on Switch and like I haven't really noticed anything that has gotten in the way if you're playing with the original graphics there's definitely some like lost quality with like the condensing of everything or at least the carrying over from PS1 and if you play with the new uh, graphics there's been it's a combination of like a manual process and also an AI making everything have like a impressionist painting look to it and also the character models are improved and there are new new illustrations of all the characters overall I think new is the way to go I think that the new character portraits are great I love the old ones too but like that clearly like a lot of love went into that and I I like the results and that's kind of the the mixed messaging of this whole edition is like there are these beautiful reorchestrations of the soundtrack in the opening menu and like a really heartwarming drawing of the whole cast. And like clearly a lot of effort went into a lot of it. And then some of it feels like kind of a glorified port. It's like sort of like a mix of the two, in my opinion. Yeah, I OK, let me take a step back. So I'm, I'm very interested in you liking the new stuff more because I have been playing now almost all of the game with the old graphic style. Cause I, I found that I find the new one really off putting personally. Mm, and I, I think yeah. 
I'm very glad both exist is the thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to cover here in terms of the way this port was handled. Um, I think you're right to bring up like Final Fantasy VIII, because in this case specifically, Final Fantasy VIII was kind of this like legendary game at Square where like they couldn't re-release it. It was like notably absent from a lot of storefronts and like just was kind of unplayable for a really long time because like back in the 90s when they were making that stuff, like they did not keep those files around like they <laughs> they just did yeah. not care at all about preserving their own history or anything they were like we made it okay delete it off the hard drive it's already out in the world we're good never thinking that they would want to like continue that legacy and and keep it around so the final fantasy 8 port to anything was wildly difficult to do it required a lot of investment on the back end to like find the original code and then you know like spruce it up and then release it from what we know about chrono cross very similar thing like the versions yeah. of the game they had stored somewhere it's Square Enix were not the complete versions and it required a lot, a lot, a lot of work to just like even get the game complete. Exactly. Um, Much less like redo all the backgrounds, put some new music in it, redo all the portraits, put a new font in there. Like there's a there's a lot of work that went into this. And I have found personally it to be really disheartening that like most of the conversation about this game online or this version of the game online has just been about like poor performance of the port because like my expectations going in and again it it always comes down to expectation management i think but my expectations going in were very similar to yours which is like i just want to play chrono cross like there's no legal way to play chrono cross right now and i would like if there's a legal way to play chrono cross because like i mentioned like i have it on my vita and i was going to play it on the inoden but like i'd much rather play it on the switch and like give square enix the money and say i want more stuff like this you know yeah Um, totally i would i would always prefer that and i started playing it not knowing all this like weird discourse about the performance of the thing uh and was like wow i love this i can't wait to see like what the fans think and how everybody feels about it and then went online and was like <laughs> what the fuck is happening here uh because yeah. to me when i was playing it i was like yeah it plays like a playstation one game <laughs> right it, it, yeah. it feels exactly like a playstation one game that's the thing it's like I've, I've never thought of the frame rate of chrono cross like ever yeah i think it's because i recently played it on my ps2 with an hdmi adapter like the reason i find it harder to settle for the original graphics on the radical dreamers edition is like it looked better on my ps2 you know like <laughs> it wasn't as condensed but again like it's a miracle they like got it and re-released it and the amount of people who have a ps2 on the ready to play a ps1 game right. that is chrono cross is like maybe just me and a few other people yeah you know yeah like i'm sure it's more than that but like it's not the norm to have that on the ready yeah so like i i agree like i think there really isn't a perfect option for me because i like seeing the new illustrations so like i find myself switching between the new and classic a lot because i want to see like what the characters portraits are and then I usually go back because mm. I don't like the world map with the painter style like it looks kind of it looks pretty bad to me yeah, yeah. Here, so here's the thing is like I'm very I'm very happy with this version of the game at the moment I think the radical yeah. gamers first of all it's $20 it's like not even that expensive it's a really good price yeah. which like it's, it's an incredible price it's not like they're charging $60 for a thing that an AI spat out you know um, yeah it's it's 20 bucks uh, I'm playing the game and I'm enjoying it and I haven't had any like technical issues and that's great That's not to say that, like, you can't be bummed that it has a worse frame rate than than the PS1 version. Like, it is very strange that the game runs worse on the PlayStation 5 than it did on the PlayStation 1. That is, like, probably not good. That does not look good for Square Enix, to be clear. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, excuse that or say, like, oh, you shouldn't complain about this because whatever. Like, obviously, you should want the game to run well and maybe at least as good as it did originally. (laughs) Yeah, Um, for real. And that is why I have actually switched back to the classic graphics in the first place is because the only times I noticed the frame rate actually being a problem 
problem. And like, if you listen to the show for long enough, you know that I really generally don't even notice frame rate problems. I have actually noticed and been like, oh God, why is it going so slow? Why is this taking forever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on the Switch version, specifically when using the new graphics. And if you mm. and if you switch it to the old, it's been completely smooth, no problems at all. And honestly, I like the way it looks even even more anyway. Um, yeah, overall, I'd agree with you. Yeah. And there are instances when I'm like hanging out with the new graphics where like I would look at the background and be like, I know I know that an AI spat this out because that is supposed to be like a tree branch and not a face or something. You know, like <laughs> sometimes you'll see some stuff in the background that's like, man, like you're supposed to train the AI before you run these backgrounds through it, which has kind of bummed me out a little bit. It's on a Pasa Beach, but there's like with the new graphics, the sky looks like very three discrete layers of paint. And it's like, it's not how you paint a sky. Yeah, you know what's really weird too is like, okay, so this kind of goes back to that. Really, there's an incredible Twitter account. I wish I knew the name of it. Um, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But there's a there's a Twitter account that specifically looks at pixel art and the way it was supposed to be interpolated in CRT yeah. TVs, right? So like you can see the pixel art and see all of the like incredible dithering that they did, you know, between different colors to make light and shadows and like all this stuff that was supposed to be kind of blurred out and blended together on a CRT television. And that was true in this era of 3D game as well. Like, you know, because yeah. of the ways in which uh, they needed to kind of like manage resources. That's why you have things like these painted backgrounds that 3D character models would run across was so they could do that kind of art and make sure that like when presented on a CRT TV, which is what literally everybody in the world had at the time, it would come through and and show essentially what the artistic intent was. So because of that, in the original graphics, there's a lot of dithering in places like the sky like you're talking about. And what dithering is, if, if you don't know, it's like if you have two colors that you're trying to blend between like a light and a dark color, you'll see in between in the, in the spot where it's supposed to be blending little pixels of the light and the dark color kind of like making their way up and down simultaneously that creates this kind of like blended idea when it's presented on a CRT. So they took that background and then ran that through an AI. And what it sometimes spits out is like, it'll interpret that dithering as like actual like bits of sky. So you'll yeah. have like a painterly version of dithering, which is actually the exact opposite of what <laughs> the dithering was there to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is kind of weird. Um, but, you know, all that said, like all this shit doesn't matter. Like all the shit that we just talked about in the past like 10 minutes doesn't really matter as much because like the game is still great. Like the game yeah, is still the music like, is great. The game is great. The music is great. It runs like well, it runs like a PS1 game and that's great. Um, and I can play it in handheld mode in bed on my switch. And that's great. And like playing handheld is awesome. Yeah, I'm experiencing this game that I wanted to experience. And and if I hadn't known that there was a bunch of discourse about it on the Internet, like I wouldn't have even really clocked it at all. Yeah, I think I think like the reason I keep switching between the two is like I feel like I'm I'm unhappy about something with one of them. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I would have had an opinion about like the presentation. But again, it's not enough to make me stop playing it. Yeah. The happy medium I found is original graphics in the widescreen format oh okay because there's like a five by four like the original format yeah. um it's kind of like almost a square and then there's another version of it that like fills the screen and that's been the happy medium for me is like original graphics widescreen that's what i'm gonna do because i also even though i like seeing the new portraits i tend to prefer the old ones too. <laughs> yeah I think Whoops. I do too. It, yeah, it's it, look, it's really good. And that's not even to mention like they added all the quality of life stuff that you get with a lot of the Final Fantasy remakes or ports or whatever. Where There's like a fast forward button and there's a version of it that lets you avoid uh, combat in the overworld. There's also auto save, which is fantastic. There's an auto like save. Such a good addition. There's yeah. an auto battle. There's like an invincibility mode. And the invincibility mode is actually really fun because um, it makes it so... 
it doesn't make it so you're invincible. It makes it so whenever enemies try and hit you, they always miss. But you still have to use the stamina system that I was talking about. Like they don't make it so your stamina is full all the time and you can like always do attacks. Like you still have to manage your stamina in the invincibility thing, which is fun. I haven't really used that at all. The most that I've used it for specifically is like if I'm in a section in the overworld where I need to run around and I'm fighting enemies and and I just want to like throw it into auto mode and like I don't really care that much about this battle and I want to like I don't know get up and like refill my water. I'll just like turn on fast forward <laughs> mode auto battle and invincibility and just like let that battle play out because it doesn't matter to me and then come back and sit down and keep playing. Oh my god. One of my favorite things about this game also is the way they handle leveling is yes, this is this is so good. when I was talking earlier about like all this quality of life stuff that this game has that I am disappointed they didn't take forward. This is one of those things. You don't have experience in this game. Experience points are like not a thing. You do have stats that you're managing. Like your all your characters have different stats and all 40 of the characters have their own different stats as well. Um, <laughs> but that said, the way leveling works is you will only level up when you fight a boss. They you get this thing whenever you beat a boss that's like a gold star and you go up like a star rank. So that's like that's your level essentially. Essentially. But all the little in between battles, like whenever you're out in a dungeon or whatever, whenever you're doing those little battles, you will only get a really minor stat increase a couple of times after beating a boss. So like, OK, I'm at star level six now. The next like four or five battles, you'll like maybe get some HP or like an attack boost or whatever, like, you know, plus one to your attack or it's whatever. It's like EV training. Yeah. Just yeah. Like you get like very right. like hidden stat increases. Only yeah. for like four or five battles. And then you don't get them anymore. You don't get any stat increases which means that there's no grinding in this game at all and you will always be at level with what the game wants you to be at so like if you beat a boss and then you don't fight anyone and you go to the next boss you'll like technically be at the right level to go fight that boss as long as you've been playing the game in sequential order it's such a good decision yeah and if you really want like a little bit of a leg up in between those bosses you can go fight a bunch of like random people just kind of like hanging out uh and and get those little minor stat increases until they don't give them to you anymore but i found them to be so negligible that i don't really find myself doing that that often yeah I, I think star level because what star level does is it increases how many element grids you have right. which lets you do more spells and stuff it increases your stats in like a major way and it also when you reach a certain star level every character all 40 characters have uniquely animated special moves yeah so like even though the game doesn't have a lot of dual techs everyone's tech is like ridiculous like there's not a normal <laughs> move in the game yeah i think the most normal move is the david bowie character smashing his guitar on an enemy like that's like the most grounded move there is and it involves a guitar yeah uh it's, it's great it's an incredible it's, system it's just like yeah. another reason why i love this game and i can't put it down is like i haven't had to spend any time grinding because they specifically built an entire mechanic to remove that from this game it, it's it's kind of ironic because i think like while in our bonus about chrono trigger we said like how simple that combat is it does ask way more of you than chrono cross does even yeah. though it's technically more complicated of a system yeah and also, I mean, yeah, one of my big sticking points with Chrono Trigger also was the ATV of it all, like the ATV meter side of things. Like I, I didn't enjoy it really that much. And I, I usually had it on on weight uh, instead of like active. So like it technically wasn't even really an ATV meter. But every once in a while, I would find it like still too stressful as I was continuing to play that game. And I think removing that in this has been really good for me specifically. It's like much yeah. closer to the kind of combat I want. I think Chrono Trigger does the best you can do with ATB, which I think is like the worst way to do turn-based combat yeah. basically yeah i think i think we said that in the bonus but like it's the best version of the worst combat system yeah. <laughs> i think a lot of that is like i think the dual techs make that system work because it's like waiting for it's like okay do i act right now or do i wait for frogs 
meter to build up yeah, so they can yeah, do yeah. something together. Um, <laughs> and managing that, like, I think also the fights in that game are way faster. So yes. like it never feels super tedious. Whereas like cross, it's completely turn based. So you can take as long as you want thinking about a turn, thinking about what if, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm really, really happy you're enjoying it. I'm also like having the best time going back in terms of which one I like more. I mean, I think it's, I think it's still Carno Trigger for me as like a complete package, but Cross is doing things that I've seen very few other games try to do. Yeah. It feels almost even more unique in some ways. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm really sticking with at the moment. That's the thing that's really working for me in a big way. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. I, I'm, I'm really excited to finish it and I probably will soon if I had to guess, cause I've, I don't know, it came out on Friday and it's Sunday and I've played 12 hours. So <laughs> I've been really enjoying the live updates on what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, very infrequently will I live message you everything that I'm doing in a game. But I thought this one really deserved it. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's also so many branching paths. Like even like I sent you where I'm at and you thought I was ahead of you. And I'm like, no, no, no. You've played more than I have somehow (laughs) of this game. (laughs) Yeah. But that's because I've weirdly been playing a lot of Radical Dreamers, which we'll get to in the next section. But the, the other really great thing about this re-release is that it includes Chrono Cross and it also includes Radical Dreamers, which is the text adventure game that was released only in Japan for like an extension of the Super Famicom. So it was like right before the N64 and PS1 came out and to keep Super Famicom like around for a little bit longer, there was like literally, I forgot what it was called. Let me, let me look it up. I think it's like um, the Satella view. It's like that, it was supposed to connect to a satellite. Is that the idea? Yeah. And there was literally a monthly subscription. It was like, like, 1996 Game Pass for the Super Famicom. You were right, yes, the Teleview. And kind of like Mother 3, there was sort of a de facto English translation someone made and localized online that you could download, but there was no direct way to play this game. Right. And like, I knew that it existed and I knew that like it came out, came out in 1996. So it was actually very soon after Chrono Trigger. Right. And Masato Kato, he wrote it and directed it. And his role in Chrono Trigger is really fascinating because Yuji Hori like made the whole like plot outline. Right. But I feel like Masato Kato and other writers like filled in the blanks in their in their own way so it's like totally. now he's in the driver's seat and you get this very different experience but that's included and it's like a five-hour game and uh, i have finished it i'm excited to talk about it soon but it's really interesting playing that after finishing chrono cross and seeing like where the inspiration led mm. to yeah cool Okay, so should cool. we take a break so we can talk about it? Yeah, I guess that's it. Unless you have anything else to say about Chrono Cross. I mean, I have a lot more to say, but we've been talking about this game for an hour already almost. So <laughs> I feel like maybe, we'll have to uh, revisit maybe, it in some capacity. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to revisit it. All right, cool. Let's take a break cool. and come back and talk about Radical Dreamers, which uh, I have a lot of questions about, but it might be spoilers for Chrono Cross. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you soon. Bye bye. We're back in the show. Uh, Steven, you have been playing Radical Dreamers, which is a thing that I learned about because of the Chrono Trigger bonus when I was doing research for that. I learned about this thing that was like a pseudo sequel to Chrono Trigger. It was like supposed to be like a narrative specific sequel to Chrono Trigger. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the ideas from this made their way into Cross. So like it, it, it ended up kind of like inspiring cross it was like cross became kind of like a full video game version of this five-hour text adventure is that correct yeah and it's actually kind of shocking how much stuff is one-to-one i was expecting it to be a little bit more it very much is like 
this strange like middle phase anamorph of the chrono trilogy <laughs> and also like i would say trigger and cross for the most part work as standalone pieces i would say radical dreamer is also like you don't really need to know anything about the series to enjoy 99 percent of it because <laughs> in in some ways it feels very classic it feels like the most like uh, by the books uh, dnd inspired adventure game of all three because wow. essentially it begins and this like old book opens very much like the beginning of Chrono Cross. Yeah. And someone narrates and says like, Oh, I found my grandfather's old book that like recalls his adventurer days. And then you learn the game is narrated from a character named Serge, uh, oh. or I don't know if it's Serge or Sergey. Um, but yeah, either way, I, I haven't been able to figure that out either. I I've been saying Serge in my head the whole time. I've been saying Serge too. Um, so I'll just say Serge, but if I'm wrong, please correct me. But um, Serge is this traveling bard in radical dreamers it's like a traveling musician wow. okay who's like kind of an idiot like he he's well he's not i don't know if he's dumb but he's very new to this so he's okay. like <laughs> the least experienced of the three and the leader of this group of thieves called the radical dreamers is kid who is pretty much uh, the same character okay she's like the leading force of the group and she's even like a little bit edgier i want to say in radical dreamers like oh, she, she's 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 more surprisingly somehow she's even more like head first, like devil may care. Wow. Yeah. Kind of character. Like there's a point where you find this like stone face that if you put your hand in it and tell a lie, it bites down on you. So she puts her hand in it and then Serge says, um, hey, kid, are you the greatest thief to ever live? And she's like, yeah, of course. And then, of course, it bites down on her. Oh, wow. And okay. like it only lets go if you tell the truth. And rather than <laughs> just saying I'm not, she like forcibly breaks the face to pull her hand down. She's like, see, I'm the best. <laughs> so like, OK, I she's a very well written character. Um, and it's fun to have like Serge's point of view kind of be less of the silent protagonist and more of like just like a seemingly normal person that has stumbled into this adventure, mm. kind of like a Frodo perspective or like a, you know, like an audience surrogate in that way. Yeah. The writing is beautiful. The writing is stunning. It, it, it kind of shifts between these really like lovingly written moments of dialogue and it's very limited visuals. Like the visuals you do get kind of imply a scene, but most of the work is done by the text. So you'll yeah. see like um, you never see the faces of the characters. You just see the the backs of them. It's Serge who has like this strange like cap as well, which I like kid who's in similar attire. And then McGill, who's this mysterious mage who says very few words, but he, he's written in a funny way because they always say how emotionless he is. But every now and then he tries to crack a joke and everyone's like, is, is this like, <laughs> is he trying something new? Like, what is this? Is he in cross? Is he like one of the characters in cross? So here's the thing. Okay. He is sort of the inspiration for Guile, who is oh, yeah. one of the characters you can get in cross. Okay. And, uh, do you much? Should we say spoilers for this? Like, do you want me to spoil the ending of radical dreamers or should I not? I think you would know better than me. I mean, is you spoiling that going to spoil Chrono Cross for me? I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. I won't spoil it. Okay. I'm curious, just from my perspective, like how, how much of Chrono Cross does this cover? Like if I were if I were to stop playing Chrono Cross right now where I'm at and play Radical Dreamers and then go finish Cross and do like a weird machete order situation, <laughs> would I be spoiling Chrono Cross for myself? Like what what is the order in which people should play this stuff? I don't know if there's a, if there's a right answer. Because I think that like the way Cross delivers some of the late game information is messier than the way you get it in Radical Dreamers, weirdly okay. enough. Because 
Radical Jimmer is basically the whole game is Lynx's manner. So it's Lynx again, who's the villain mm-hmm. in Cross. Yeah. The whole game is Kid. And she doesn't explain why, but she needs to break into this really feared place to get the frozen flame from Lynx. Mm-hmm. So that's like pretty one to one, like the first mission of Cross. Yeah. That's like the first like five hours of Chrono Cross for yeah, right. listening. So the bulk of the game is like traveling around and like, you know, it'll be like, oh, you you enter this chilling hall. Do you head right or left? And right. it's actually shocking how seamless that is. Like I've never played a text adventure before. And I feel like this coming out in 1996, like this is sort of like the tail end of when text adventures were like a popular thing. Thing, I imagine, mm. you know, I feel it was like kind of even before it's like the pre point and click adventure game. Mm. So there's some stuff where like, you know, if you've gone right already, it will say like, you know, and if you go back rather than just saying right and having to remember where that was, it will say like I head right towards the study or I head left towards that. So to kind of go back to your question about like, which you sh- should you play? I would say probably cross first, because I think that like you'll have a stronger emotional attachment to the characters. And like, yeah. I think you will have seen the full scope of the project. But then going back to Radical Dreamers you get a much more focused narrative that's like really mostly about kid like that it's really like the kid hour in mm. in radical dreamers because surge is sort of there and like there's actually a hidden metric of like how much kid likes surge in the game which is like kind of strange but it does affect the plot <laughs> that's and it affects silly. like yeah. how much you learn about her and also affects the ending the one thing i'll say is like i was actually amazed at how easy it was to play and then i learned at the very end of the game that you can only heal yourself a finite amount of times which are just like by random events so i literally was at such low health by the end of the game i couldn't finish it so i just had to go on youtube and watch the ending no way (laughs) yeah i mean it's only like a four hour game so like i guess the idea when this came out was like you would try it a few times yeah like nah like it like it was an arcade game and and there's like you and all your friends with quarters standing around seeing who could beat it like that kind of yeah. thing and there but are multiple endings but <laughs> most of the other endings are like joke endings but there's a revelation about the characters in the end that is, is more closely tied to Chrono Trigger like because besides that there's really just like names dropped like they mention like poor or P-O-R-R-E which is like a continent in Chrono Trigger mm-hmm. but like Cross I mean actually I would say Radical Dreamers is the darkest of the three especially when you're battling because like there are battles that are turn-based that are really thrilling at first because it will be like there's a skeleton what do you do it's like oh i tackle him and then his head falls off and i grab it's like a really enthusiastic dm narrating how a battle is going that's cool and usually it's not just like choose attack it's like i try to roll out of the way and then you'll see how that goes the annoying thing is that like once you know how a battle goes you just select those options if it happens again Mm -hmm. and Again, like there's no way just to heal yourself, which is like, the one major design flaw of the game. Yeah. Because like as much as I enjoy it, I don't really want to play it from the beginning again right, right. away. Yeah. You know? Does it have all the same like quality of life stuff that Cross does? Like, can you fast forward and stuff? Like, do they let you do that? I think you can fast forward, but I didn't notice a difference in the speed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how much that would really help, I guess. I really enjoyed the experience of making a mental map of this place and exploring and meeting characters. And like, you know, again, the writing is really well done. So I thought it was a really wonderful experience. And the ending is really cool. I wish I could see it. But like, apparently I <laughs> ate the soup too soon and couldn't heal myself. Oh, my God. But uh, I think that <laughs> in terms of the order, I would say cross first. because I think that you'll have like. Mm. an idea of who these characters are. And I think you will appreciate some beats 
a little bit more. Yeah. With the context. I, I, cause I think like the, the stuff that is sort of one-to-one in radical dreamers in carnal cross yeah. is the stuff that I think is better handled. I think mm-hmm. like th- those revelations and those connections to Chrono trigger are really interesting. It's in the excessive details across that it loses me a little bit where it's like, you don't need some metachlorians this. Like I get it. Like, I mean, I don't need everything explained. There could be some lingering doubt and fantasy. Yeah. One, one of our big things about Chrono Trigger specifically in the way that that story is handled is how much it leads up to interpretation and how, how open they leave some things purposefully. So, you know, yeah. you can kind of draw your own conclusions about like even who the main villain is and why uh, in some yeah. cases. And I feel like, you know, it bumps up against like a, a kind of current trend for game like kingdom hearts for example which like kingdom hearts 3 felt the need to button up literally every loose end of kingdom hearts 1 2 and every spinoff uh which i i could see a situation in which chrono cross could like maybe get a little bit too close to doing that but it, it's nice to hear that there's another version of that out there it's weirdly on brand for chrono cross that there's another version of that out there that you can experience yeah which and is that's fun. the kind of thing is like the parallel universe stuff isn't really at all in radical dreamers until the very end where it's like kind of loosely touched mm. and i think like that idea applied to games where everyone is going to have their own version of it. And there's like different versions of these characters that you can see and meet and see different sides of. Like, I think that's kind of what they were going for is like, yeah, like in, in Chrono Trigger, the really big kind of philosophical or one of the big philosophical questions of that game is like, who is the entity? Is it the player? Is it the world itself? And I think like, Chrono Cross is kind of more interested in like what are the possible experiences a game can provide and like what is the real one to you? You know, like mm. Chrono Trigger is like there's some force that wanted you to see these events. Chrono Cross is like, which events did you see? You yeah. know, what what did you experience? And that's probably why they are cool with me just dying at the final boss fight. <laughs> I'm not cool with it. That's not the reality I wanted, but uh <laughs> that's what I got. So whatever. Yeah. That idea is loosely touched on in Chrono Trigger, too, which is interesting. And and from I think what we know about the production of that game, those parts of the game were written by Masato Kato, who then went on to yeah. direct Chrono Cross. So I, I wonder if like that whole bit in Chrono Trigger was like just kind of laying the foundation for like if we ever got to do a sequel, it would be based on literally this line that this one person says to you. in this one <laughs> room. Um, Yeah, I think like there's an undercurrent of a certain emotion and feeling in Chrono Trigger that is like the driving force of Chrono Cross. Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. it, it, it kind of feels like it's Masato Kato's interpretation of Chrono Trigger in some ways. Yeah. Um, or at least like, you know, if you were asked, like, what do you think followed this? Like, how do you follow saving the world in the fiction mm-hmm. and making what is considered the best game of all time in reality? Right. You know, and it creates this like weird, <laughs> moody, dual reality piece that is Chrono Trigger or Chrono Cross and Radical Dreamers. Yeah, that's very so, yeah. cool. Uh, I'm excited to play it. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you could probably watch it and like be okay if, if what I said is like a little daunting. Like most of it is reading. And honestly, I think it would have benefited from being more of a visual novel and less of like the combat while exciting, I think does drag it down and like having yeah. to actually think about how much health do I have and how well kid likes me. Like <laughs> it doesn't aid the game in any way. Yeah. It's like, I would rather have just like seen the story and explored this place than had to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. I think my move will probably be to play it with a guide insofar that whenever I have to make a decision that I'm like unsure of, I'll just be like, okay, what do I do here? And just like try and make sure that I can get to the ending. I think that'll probably be the move for me. Yeah, that sounds good. I might try that in like a year when I've gotten over how frustrating <laughs> what I got was. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll say this just to go back to Chrono Cross a little bit, but I, yeah. I've been playing Chrono Cross loosely, loosely with a guide for the most part. I've just been kind of like exploring as much as possible, especially when you get a boat and you can like sail around the world and, you know, it kind of opens up in a big way. Steven is currently showing me his actual physical copy of the like Brady strategy guide for Chrono yeah, Cross. The, like the 1999 Brady games. I'm amazed this is still like it's not just dust. Yeah. I've had this for like 20 years. I love I love this thing so much, especially on the bottom in like red, all bold text it says recruit every character yeah. on it which is really fun <laughs> and since there are like 40 characters half the guide is just like pages about the characters like, yeah character descriptions anyway I've, I've been playing chrono cross loosely with a guide just for like situation because I, I think like trigger it's surprisingly good at not being a 1990s video game uh yeah in that yeah. like i frequently know where i'm supposed to go next and like how to do it and how to get there and like what my goal is and why my goal is but every once in a while it'll you know stumble and fall on that front and i'm just like i have no idea what's supposed to happen next one of the harder moments to discern is the first mission you're given which is to get the three komodo scales that is yeah. like yeah one of the more esoteric moments of the game and it's the very beginning it's like literally the first quest <laughs> you're given yeah as, as soon as you're done with the opening um, and again, the opening was another situation where I was like, they they just throw you into like your dungeon crawling with two random people and you don't really know what's going on. And you're also getting into the combat and they just hit you with that combat system, having not explained it at all, which is like really, really brutal. Um, so, th- yeah, the opening little bit of Chrono Trigger, maybe like the sorry of Chrono Cross, the first like hour maybe is like, ooh man. Yeah, I would say like if you if you want to give it a shot, like wait until you're at Apasa Beach. Yes. Once you that's like a, that's a good point. Actually get to the other dimension, that's where you'll get a better taste of what the game is. Yeah, I agree. Cool. All right. That's it for now. I'm excited to hear your thoughts when you eventually get to Radical Dreamers and once you finish Chrono Cross. I think we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about that, whether it's on the show or not. I'm really, really excited to have that conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm already like itching to talk like really about specifics, and it's kind of a bummer that we can't yet uh about yeah. about some of the stuff that i've experienced in cross especially the stuff i just experienced in cross before yeah. we started recording because <laughs> holy ships yeah but uh I, I don't know we'll do that hey if you if you want that in some form i guess let us know i could see that being like a patron bonus or or like yeah potentially or something yeah so, yeah hit us up let us know uh cool do you want to take another break and then talk about more video games i would love to take a break and eat pasta for you dear listener It'll be mere seconds, but for me, it'll be mere minutes, but filled with pasta. Dude, like what if though? Like what what if you had a different lunch? All right, we gotta take a break. <laughs> bye <laughs> <See> bye. <you laughs> bye. Hey Steven. Hello. We're back. Oh hi. You and you and I actually like took a really long break and I did eat pasta. It was really I good. Had lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Season four, baby. We're doing it. Growing the beard, finding our voice, finding our voice, catching the shark. No jumping, yeah. we say. <laughs> well, do you, growing the beard is the opposite. Do you know? No, why? I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Riker from you Star Trek. Riker. Yes. Come on. Come on. <laughs> if I say, do you know why? The answer is likely Riker from Star Trek. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Challenging me yeah. on Star Trek information. I'm so sorry. I was cocky with my full stomach of food. <laughs> Uh, see, what if, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> you guessed it. Uh, we're talking about Radiant Historia. 
for the Nintendo DS. And I guess also by extension, the 3DS version as well, because we've played both at this point. Yes, which is a weird place to have to be that we've played like enough of both to talk about both. Um, yeah. Have not finished both, to be clear. Have not even finished one. But um, I've I've played like five to ten hours on the 3DS version. And I then also played five to ten hours of the DS version. Um, I'm much earlier on. I'm I'm like through what I assume is kind of the like stealth prologue or mm-hmm. not even stealth. I think it says prologue in my save file. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Past the point of the game where they've explained all the rules of the narrative and the rules of the combat. Yeah. And it's like beginning for real. Yeah. This is, this is an interesting game to be talking about. It's, it's like advantageous weirdly for us that, that we're talking about it in the same episode as Chrono Cross. Yeah. Um, Cause Radiant Historia, a game for the DS that I think, you know, in, in setting out to do the DS bonus uh, in June, looking at a lot of lists of like, what are the kind of like underrated, what are the kind of like hidden away, tucked away games that like people who are fans of say, man, I really wish this got more time in the spotlight, et cetera, et cetera. Radiant Historia is like at the top of a lot of those lists. Like there are a lot of people out there who would say it is the best game for the Nintendo DS. Yeah. It's kind of just like a one-off RPG by Atlas on the DS that is like wildly, wildly ambitious in ways I can't wait to talk about and is really, it's really fucking stellar. Uh, And then they went and remade it, not remade it, but just kind of like ported it over to 3DS and added a couple tweaks here. They Radical Dreamers editioned it for the 3DS. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's not a bad comparison point, honestly, because all it really does on the 3DS. So, uh, you know, if you're wondering like which of the two you should pick up, get the 3DS version, uh, especially while the 3DS store still exists and you can buy it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But all the, all they've changed are like they, they swapped out the character portraits with new ones, just like in Chrono Cross and they added <laughs> they added voice acting which um I'll say up front because I don't think I'm going to talk about the comparisons between the two versions because they're so similar i will say that the voice acting in the 3ds version is incredible i was a little bit worried about it initially when i heard that they had added it and then that's the version that i started with and i love the voice acting but i will probably finish it on the ds because i kind of want to be more more true to the spirit of the episode you know yeah me too but the voice cast is very familiar voices if you are also a fan of fire Emblem three houses (laughs) yes (laughs) specifically the i i I don't know the actor's name but the guy who plays caspar is in like at least half Half of the DS games I've played, like he was heavily booked <laughs> in the DS era. Yeah, uh, which is um, great. I mean, he's a good voice actor. So, so just like before we even get into what the game is, if you're trying to decide which of the two to play, like whichever one you can find is probably the answer. But also, yeah. the 3DS version is like available on the eShop. You can buy it. It's very frequently on sale because they're pretty much putting everything on the eShop on sale all the time now. Especially Atlas stuff. Yeah, like all yes, the- Atlas too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just like pick the game up while you can. Is kind of the the thing however you can anyway what is the game and why would we be comparing it to chrono cross and chrono trigger that's right dear listener time travel story baby alternate dimensions alternate paths we're doing everything um it's an extremely ambitious game in that it is essentially trying to do like a classic like medieval fantasy rpg style thing like a final fantasy or like uh, a chrono trigger even in some cases but instead of just like traveling back and forth through time like you do in chrono trigger what you're doing is traveling back and forth through your own history as a character so you play you play as a character named stock who is uh, a guy who like works for an army he, he's like essentially kind of like you know a mercenary but he's in the military so he's not called that he's also kind of a spy like he works for the like the intelligence special intelligence yeah, yeah. specint uh, they call yeah. it yeah uh, which is fun. But, you know, he, he's like a yeah, he's like a special ops kind of guy uh, in the military and is given 
the ability uh, via this strange book called The White Chronicle to revisit points of his own history in which he makes huge decisions that reshape like the way the rest of history will go. So, you know, they're as menial as like, do you go north or south? Sometimes the game will be like freeze frame. This is a huge fucking decision you have to make. Yeah. So choose wisely. And, you know, maybe you choose poorly and everybody dies. Maybe you choose well and it works out, whatever, whatever. But they're not as cut and dry always like they're not as clear as that. So there are instances which I I really appreciate about this game and why I think it's so ambitious and amazing that it sticks it at all. There are times where you will like choose a decision that the game earmarks as like a really big moment and then play another like two hours and realize you made the wrong decision and then need to use the White Chronicle to go back in time and choose the other thing and then play through the game again in the opposite direction. That by itself, I think is like it's just so intense. It feels like kind of an obvious thing in a way like it it almost feels like a thing that you know video games are built for and video game narratives like okay if you're gonna do a time travel game in a video game wouldn't it be cool if you could go like back and change your own history and like play every route without needing to do like a new game plus or something like you can play every option you can go and branch off every path but like i imagine that that has been pitched before in a room at some point before radiant historia happened and every time people were like fuck no like do not green like this do you know how much work that's gonna be how much yeah. writing like even figuring out how to tell a story like that would be nonsense like no we're not gonna do that and god bless whoever said yes to this over at atlas because man like they really put the time and effort into making the story not only like work at all but it's really engaging and very interesting and you can travel back in time and experience every version of it at any point whenever you want. It's wild that this yeah. game exists and is good. It also explains the rules in a way that isn't like, like I feel like that's the hardest thing a time travel narrative has to do is explain the rules. Cause like right. it's going to be tedious and you know, but we do need it because it's like, okay, is this chrono trigger rules or like going into the stone age to like right. get a jewel that will change X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Is it back to the future? Right. Yeah. Right. In this case, it's like very, very, it's very immediate history. Like you said, it's the characters like event in the game and the time spent in the game, at least so far. Yes. Maybe yeah. it gets grander than it later, but, and it, it's, it's eerily like the middle ground between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. And that like, even though it is directly time travel, it is all about, you know, what would have happened if you did this instead? Yeah. You know, whereas in Chrono Cross, those, those realities exist parallel to each other here. You are, you are choosing which one is the true history. Yes. The other thing too is like the the rules are explained to you by these two like elf children who live in the book. Um, <laughs> and what I love is like as they're being like, okay, so you can only like it would be too much power for anyone to have if you could just time travel to wherever. So it's only some points in the game you can do it. And we can't tell you some things yet. And the main character is like, you're so fucking suspicious, but I have no choice. <laughs> like, I, that's, I yeah. love that about this game. Stop yeah. is such a great character because like he's, he's great, very yeah. subdued. He's like a pretty subdued guy. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem to be like trying to rock the boat too much. He's just like, I have a very strong sense of duty to this military, to my country. You know, they're at war with like very evil people. It seems like there's like, you know, a world ending calamity that's happening. And he's just like, I, I'm just here to do a job at the same time. He's very frequently like no one like he I just 
I love the moment when he first learns about the White Chronicle and he's talking to the two elf children who live in the book and he's like, no one should have this power. Why are you giving this to me? <laughs> he's just straight up like, this, this is awful that this exists and this is more like a curse for me than a blessing right now. Yeah. And what I love too is like, as soon as, so like there's a whole prologue mission that's about using it and you, you know, in one time you fail the mission and the other you're, you're good. And like, then they ask him to keep using it and he's like, why? Like, what? <laughs> you yes. know, like, what's the point of using this? And then you're told, like, it seems like based on the very beginning of the game, the elf children are are have like relived history over and over again. And it always ends with this world ending event. Yeah. So they're trying to find if there's like any it's like, you know, the Doctor Strange, there's one reality. Like, is there any reality mm-hmm. where it, the world doesn't end? Right. But I think it, it, what's fun about that whole like exposition prologue is that there's even though there are a lot of things that are not told to you, those mysteries are very gripping, you know, and I think yes. like the way stock is written and the way he kind of like points out how frustrating this is. It makes the protagonist and the player kind of be on the same page, mm-hmm. which I think sometimes is the frustration of certain games. And that's kind of why I think a lot of RPGs default to the silent protagonist, because we can just fill in their head with our thoughts. Yeah. But you know, sometimes when there, when there is a voice to a main character, they'll say things or like not pick up on things that we have already picked up on like hours and hours ago. So like, this game avoids that entirely, which is great. Yeah. The game is very frequently like trying to push at the edges of itself and like justify its own existence, which could be perceived as like maybe not great narratively, but actually ends up working almost all the time, which is really cool. I mean, like just like I was talking about before where stock is pushing against the existence of the White Chronicle and saying, like, I don't want this power. Very early on, there are other members of the military who are, like, pretty openly questioning, like, why do we put ourselves on the line for this job? We don't know that much about the war. We're just taking orders from people, like, you know, kind of seeding a lot of questions that I'm sure will be answered later. Like I said, I'm, like, still pretty early on in the game. But even already, it's asking some bigger questions than just, like, trying to get me into, uh, like, a time travel war story, which I really appreciate. Like, I'm glad glad to know I, it feels like um i was talking to uh, another friend recently uh, about a movie uh, that just came out recently uh shout out to brendan if you're out there different brendan than me uh we, we went and saw uh <laughs> my friend steven higgler who i talk to all the time uh <laughs> we went and saw everything everywhere uh all at once and that movie is so wonderful in that like within the first 15 to 20 minutes, you can just kind of turn your brain off and be like, oh, this person, the people that made this movie know so much about storytelling and they're doing such a good job that I don't even need to worry that this movie could go off the rails at any point. Like when you when you experience a piece of art that's that confident in itself where it's just like, oh, great, I'm just I'm just going to buckle up then and I don't even really need to think about it and just let it wash over you. That's very much how I feel about this game already because like to within the first couple hours give you the ability to time travel to any point in your own history show you what that means and how that works multiple times and then constantly be questioning its own conceit that early on was like great i'm excited i'm just gonna buckle up and i'm just gonna let this happen absolutely and I've really been enjoying it like a lot. I, I start. I played the 3DS version a couple months ago, um, right after we finished Chrono Trigger was when I started playing the 3DS version mm. just because I was like curious about it. And I played up until you can make like a pretty major decision. Uh, you, you know which one I'm talking about. Um, it, yeah. it's, it's there's essentially a character who's like a friend of yours who's in the military who's like, hey, the guy who you're taking orders from is pretty sketchy. Why don't you join my team instead? Um, and you can choose between those two. And that's one of the like branching points. I played up until there, made the decision and then 
stopped playing. And I was like, I should really be playing the DS version. And I've now since gone like pretty far past that. And I really love the way the game allows you to travel through time. They visualize it in a way that doesn't seem daunting at all, which is really surprising, I think. Again, considering how many permutations and options there are. But essentially, like... They just show it to you the way you would expect it to be shown, which is that there are a bunch of chapters that happen and there are a bunch of points that you can travel to in time. And it just looks like a tree, like it just looks like a branching, like a family tree kind of thing. Um, And you can just like zip around left and right and just decide which point you want to travel to whenever you want. Um, And while you do that, you retain all of your levels, all your money, all your experience, uh, all your items. So you're bringing all that stuff with you. Like you stock are the same person. You are actually traveling back and forth through time. It is weird and like unexplained that your party members also retain all their stuff. Like whatever. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. That's kind of the thing is like I'm here. I'm here to just kind of experience the story and just kind of marvel at how well the time travel is being handled. Um, I don't really need it to be like fully locked in from like, you know, it, it doesn't need to be primer if you know that movie primer which like people hail as like the best time travel story of all time. Like that movie has figured out time travel and is so confident, but like it's also hard to watch and you can't really only watch it once. You have to watch it more than once usually because like it's just so obsessed with spending the entire runtime telling you the rules that it forgets to be a movie until you <laughs> watch it once and then watch it a second time. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that's interesting. I'm glad that this is not that, which I feel like it could have very easily been that. Yeah, I mean, because I think, like you said, it's more of a exploration of the world than it is like even time travel. It's, it's yeah. almost the MacGuffin of the game where it's like you're just learning more about the state of things and yeah. how to best navigate them in some ways like a time loop game where you're retaining, you know, what you've learned from each attempt, yeah. both like as a player and also like the character is learning about the world. And often you'll use what you've learned in one path to help you in another. Um, yes, I do love that. Like. <laughs> In the prologue at one point, like the thing preventing you from taking literally one path is a bunch of blocks and the elf children are like, well, I guess we'll make you strong. (laughs) You can can push the blocks around and everyone's like, holy shit. They just just give you superpowers. They give you super strength for no reason, really, outside of like, oh, there are blocks in your way. Oh, yeah, you can move those now. It's so funny. It feels like the one corner the writers found themselves in and they're like, fuck it, whatever. It was super strength. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to see like how that comes into play at all. Why that I don't feel that at all in the combat. Like, it's really funny. I wonder if that's like if there are other characters who exhibit that, that's a sign that they maybe also have time travel abilities. Like if that's yeah. like that's the big lingering question for me. Yeah. Is like how many people have owned the White Chronicle before me, et cetera, et cetera. Like what's cool about this game is that there's that whole side of the narrative, right? There's like the whole time travel side, which I think is very interesting. And like, okay, Stock has the White Chronicle. How is he affecting his own timeline? How are you affecting your party members, et cetera, et cetera. But even remove all of that. And I'm like very interested in the actual story of the game. Like I'm interested yeah. in the world. I'm really interested in like this war that's happening. There's uh, something called the desert of the world that's going on at the moment, which uh, essentially involves like the the magic life force, uh, not too unlike uh, Final Fantasy seven in a way, um, but like the magical life force of the world is being drained and no one really knows why it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be like a Shinra situation. It seems to just kind of be like more ethereal than that. But it's like literally causing some people to turn into sand. Um, there's there's a moment pretty early on in the game where uh, an assassin breaks into uh, like the military complex and tries to kill one of your friends uh, and immediately turns to sand uh, before yeah. they can do anything. And everyone's just like, 
what the fuck just uh, happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like that stuff is actually really interesting. And I really want to know how that plays out, you know, unrelated to the time travel stuff. I'm just like curious about the world itself. Yeah. And that's, that's really nice to know that there are these two like really interesting halves of a game that are meeting in the middle in a way that like is satisfying. It's cool. It has the moodiness of FF six. Like it has that kind of like mm. uneasy feeling and sort of like slightly dour tone, but the characters and the world are like colorful enough that it doesn't feel like grim dark. It's, it it yes. does have like a appeal uh, to be there and to learn about it. But like the things that are happening feel very heavy and like the game has a kind of constant mystery. And even in the happier moments, I'm like always a little worried because like yes. there's that like that undercurrent of like, did I make the right choice? Because right. from what I can tell every moment we're like, the elf children are like, Ahem, chapter two choice. Uh, <laughs> they show you like what could happen. Like they show you like the worst case scenario and they're like, okay, make your choice based on this information. Yeah, For the, for the big, like, as you were saying, so there's like the prologue and then the game is split up into chapters for the huge, huge chapter decisions. They will, I mean, at least so far from what I've seen, yeah. they will, they will show you like, this is the bad outcome or this is an outcome. It's maybe not even always the bad outcome. Right. And then there will be a lot of other decisions in between there. So like right oh, now, interesting. right now I, I, or not right now, I guess, um, a while ago I made a decision uh, that was literally like I needed to meet somebody outside a cave and the two uh, party members of mine, one of them was like, well, they're late. Maybe we should go in the cave and see if they got lost or like if something happened. And the other person was like, well, I mean, they said to meet them here, so we should just wait here. And that that is like a pretty huge decision, um, one of which will end the game <laughs> um, <laughs> if you make the wrong one, uh, which I love. Um, and then you get kicked back. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, uh, there's they're doing a lot of really interesting shit um, outside of that. There are other things you kind of alluded to before where it does kind of go in the chrono trigger direction, where sometimes there will be a decision uh, that you will make and it will technically be the right decision and you will make it all the way to the end of having made the right decision and then find out that you actually needed to do something while you were back in time that would make the right decision actually work. So there's kind of like a puzzle element in a way too, where like just making the right choice doesn't mean that it's the right choice completely because you need to have made a right choice. Also know something about the past that you then influence to make sure that the right choice actually plays out the way you want it to. And that's where the game kind of gets, I think a little bit more complex than maybe some people will like but i am finding very rewarding so far that's um, good to hear it's really cool we haven't even talked about the combat which is also amazing the combat yeah. system is really cool speaking of like really bizarre combat <laughs> systems that i've never seen again uh, uh weirdly in common with chrono cross here yeah there's like a three by four grid i think so you're three by on, three three by three on one side are your three party members and then on the other is this three by three grid of enemies and it's another battle system that's very interested in turn order which i think also complements the branching paths and history and everything um totally. but when it's your turn one one of the commands is just literally like swap the order of that character with anyone including enemies yeah um, the trade-off is that until it's their turn they're more vulnerable to attacks but essentially a lot of the what you want to be doing is attacks that move enemies position on the grid. So ideally you can kind of bundle everyone into one spot and just like pull off combos of attacks. Yeah. Um, it also has like a big puzzle element to it. Yeah. There there's a dichotomy 
here as well where like the further away an enemy is the less damage they do so like in some cases you're just like let me just get them as far away as possible like if there's like a really big scary thing on the screen it's like let me just push that to the back let me i'll deal with it later and then the rest (laughs) of it as you were saying is a puzzle so like literally every combat encounter you get into is a puzzle where you have to figure out how your characters who all have different abilities so like one of the characters on your team their ability uh grapples characters which literally pulls them forwards which you know as we're saying if the closer they are to you the more damage they do you need to be very confident when you use the grapple um, because that means that all those things are going to do more damage one of the characters that you have will stock the main character is able to push people further back and also push them to the left and then another character you have also is able to just push them back and it's the only thing they can do so you need to use those three movement abilities to essentially as you were saying You can make everyone kind of just like clump into the same square on the grid. And then when that happens, that means that any attack you do on that square on the grid with all those enemies will hit every enemy at once. And the more things you can chain together, like the longer that combo is like, okay, push back left attack, 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 attack. Every time you chain something else into that combo, it does more damage. So you're really, really encouraged to like get a battle over with as quickly as possible. Like if you can look at this grid and then just sit there for like a minute and then think like, all right, I got it. I am going to knock this person left, this person back, this person back, and then I'm going to attack twice after swapping, you know, the turn order a little bit so I can go five times in a row. Then it'll be done and that'll be it. And that's really rewarding when you figure those moments out. It does feel like the best moments of like a Fire Emblem in a way where like you just kind of like sat there and stared at the battle grid for a really long time and been like, all right, I am a master tactician now and I'm going to finish this <laughs> entire thing before the enemy even gets to attack. Uh, you, get, you get that same feeling, but like much faster. It feels weirdly kind of like what Origami King was trying to do. Uh, the Paper oh my Mario God, on the yeah. Switch. Where like so right. Yeah. A lot of that was like lining up enemies and trying to pull off attacks. But that game <laughs> was like, what if you just paid Toads to do it for you? <laughs> so uh <laughs> Radiant Historia does not have the toad problem uh, that, that, that we know of that we know of. Who knows? We might make the wrong choice. And toad shows up. <laughs> Guess which path you're on. Uh. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it like Radiant Historia is one of the better games I've played for this DS episode so far. It's, it's it, yeah. up there. I really I'm glad that so many people have been championing it for so long because it really put it high on my list of like things I really wanted to check out. And I think it's just another instance of really, really, really great third party support for the DS. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that Atlas invested all this money in a JRPG of this magnitude that only came out on the DS, I think speaks volumes as to like just how successful that console was, but also how much faith third party developers had in finding success on it. Yeah, because this is this is a wild game to only release on the Nintendo DS. It's really interesting to I want to do a little bit more research and like Atlas's relationship with Nintendo at this time, because like they not only had so many like SMT games on the console and Etrian Odyssey and, you know, then this like standalone experimental RPG, but they also did the trauma center games which were like made right as like almost tech demos for the ds so they were like really they were all heavily in. invested in the ds which was really interesting yeah and it's it seems to me like that was the case with a lot of companies i mean that, that was also yeah. still in the era of like games based on movies you know like so there's like <laughs> shrek games on the ds and stuff 
I mean, I guess it's worth noting that like the DS very quickly and still is one of the best selling consoles of all time. And I think yeah. is number one, like the overall DS family, mm-hmm. number one selling console of all time. So it's probably just companies were like, oh, it's selling well. We should uh, get on board. Yeah. I mean, even think of like Square Enix with uh, oh, like yeah. they, they remade Final Fantasy three and four for the for the DS. I mean, that, that by Quest. itself is pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. All the Dragon Quest games that made it on there. Yeah, it's. It's a good system. Um, but anyway, Raiding Historia. It's really good. It's also available on the 3DS. That is the easiest and most legal place that you can get it at the moment. <laughs> so I would recommend it. Um, and also, I think it's a be- I think it's a better version than the regular DS version. It also. Oh, yeah. I didn't even mention this. I, I do think it comes with like extra endings or something as well. Yeah, there, there are some story additions that I've heard kind of mixed things about. But like, you know, why not have it all? It's, it's kind of like, like Persona 5 Royal. Is that what you're about to say? I was ex- uh, yes. Do we yeah doing the show for a <laughs> successful amount of time you know you're like oh i can just buckle up and let the story happen i can just not talk and you will probably know yeah Riker, we get it yeah persona if you could just say Riker and persona 5 royal like my my half of the show is pretty much covered i'm gonna do a bonus episode that's literally like a, a microsoft sam voice for both of us <laughs> It's like an AI made, it's like an AI written show. It's, oh, it's my dream. It's very funny. Someone yeah. in the Discord did that with, um, oh man, what, what was that thing? Like AI dungeon? Yeah. Uh, yeah. AI dungeon. Yeah. So, someone in the Discord uh, did that with, with our show where they uh, typed oh, really? in. Yeah. They like typed in uh, like the opening where it's like, hello and welcome to NTA. There's a Loki video game podcast. I'm Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And then it just like filled in the rest of the episode. <laughs> Really I'm really curious what happens with that. It involved a lot of texting dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, um, but yeah, I think Radiant Historia, like I would be, I think it's got a pretty good shot at making the episode in some capacity. Yeah. You know, I'll we'll say happens, it's on my but. list. It's on my top 10 at the moment. I'm, yeah. I've played 40 of the 100 games that I want to wow. play uh, for the episode, but it's in my top 10 at the moment. It might get knocked out, but you know, we'll see. It's one of the games that I really want to see through to the end. I think it's one of those games too, that will be kind of like its placement will depend on the full adventure. Yeah. In, in a way that not all of the games require. Um, I agree. But, uh, I, I yeah. think um, it, it does feel very much like Chrono Cross to me where like once I started playing the DS version, uh, and was like, well, this is going to be the one that I play all the way to the end. I really have had a hard time putting it down. Like I really oh, Chrono do. Chrono Trigger, my, you mean? Uh, no, Chrono Cross. Like oh, I just, oh, I, see. I just gotcha. feel like I, I really can't stop playing it the same way gotcha. I can't stop playing Chrono Cross. That's been my like dichotomy at the moment. Um, and a third game for the DS, which I think we're going to talk about next week. Oh yes, I'm very excited for that. And and just to just to be clear, like there are some DS games that I've been playing that I may not bring to the show until that episode because I want to keep some like in my pocket, but um, I'm really enjoying having the process be a little bit more open. Although <laughs> it's kind of funny because the lead up to the Game Boy Advance episode, like we hadn't revealed we were doing that until it happened, but it was very obvious. <laughs> like we were like, oh, I stumbled across uh, a Minish Cap last week and uh, <laughs> also Advance Wars. But yeah, I'm really, re- it, it's weird that it's coming up because it's felt like almost like a bit that we do where it's like, why are we even talking about this? It's so far away. And now it's like a couple months, which is so surreal. It's real. Yeah, it's very yeah. real. but it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be fun yeah season five can you believe it yeah wild uh and anyway Uh, the other game (laughs) the other game i'm playing is is golden sun dark dawn which i do want to talk about on the show i'm very excited yeah i i cannot wait for whatever our take is on that that's like (laughs) i don't don't even know i don't have any control over it 
Someone in the Discord said the words, I'm going to be very surprised if Brendan says that Golden Sun Dark Dawn is his favorite uh, is his favorite Golden Sun game. And uh, get ready to be very surprised, <laughs> is all I'll say. Because <laughs> I've clung to this game in a way that I absolutely did not with, with Golden Sun 1 and 2. Um, like what I was saying about Chrono Trigger, how it kind of felt like homework, but it was like, I really like this book that I have to read for English class. Did not really feel that way about Golden Sun 1 and 2. Um, Golden yeah. Sun Dark Dawn, I'm just playing. It's just a good game. I'm just having fun with it. Uh, and I'll get oh, yeah. I'll get way into why later, uh, I guess, in next week's episode, because um, I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts about it. But I think I it deserves for... like a reexamination the way people are reexamining Chrono Cross right now. I really do. think yeah, so. totally. I mean, it's similar where it's like it's sort of a ill-fated sequel following up a game that people like really, really love. Yes. I'm picturing like a lunch table of like Lost Sphere waving over uh, the, the DS Golden Sun. <laughs> like, come here, eat with us. Yeah. The takes table. Yeah. yeah. We've seen this many times. One of the joys of doing the show is re-examining stuff out of like the specific time it came out and the circumstances that surrounded it. Because again, like something like a third Golden Sun game had a very specific setup that doesn't really apply to it now as much. I think it's yeah. easier to like look at it more fairly now than it yeah. was when it came out. I very much agree. And I think probably going into it with kind of no expectations in a way is like the best way to go into it for me. Just specifically like, well, I wasn't really a fan of the first two, so I don't know how I'm going to feel about the third one. And then being like, oh, shit, it's been three hours. I think I like this. That's kind um, of what I had to a lesser degree with um, Final Fantasy Tactics A2. I really loved Final Fantasy Tactics and I like A2 even more. And it's like the least regarded of the three. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's I mean, again, it's all subjective. Like there's no adherence to follow, but it's just interesting to see. Like, I really genuinely feel this way when the consensus is like a totally different way. Yeah. It's fun when that happens. Yeah, it is fun. I Yeah. And just to be clear we're never like <laughs> just before somebody says it like we're never setting out to be like contrarian or whatever i'm not i'm not just like going yeah. and playing golden sun 3 being like i'm gonna find any fucking reason to say this is the best <laughs> one like i really went into this not thinking i was gonna like it a whole lot i think i mentioned it last week that like i was kind of excited to check it out yeah mainly to cross it off the list but i'm like oh shit i actually think i'm gonna play a lot of this uh, yeah so, yeah you know great cool Good. That's awesome. Kind of like us with Pokemon Conquest. Like, who talked about that game? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think either of us played that out of like a well, this is definitely this is definitely going to make the list, so we're going to have to check it out. It was more just like a what what the hell is this? And then you texted me at one point. You were like, I need you to play this before next week. <laughs> it still feels like a dream I had. I, I didn't even like remember that was like a real game until this moment. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. It was great. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to explore more of the library together. Yeah, me too. Anyway, games are available on the Nintendo DS. Uh, you can check them out at your local game store. Uh, <laughs> go get go get some cartridges and plug them in. Uh, I yeah. will say again, if you want to like play along with us, I do have uh, the list of stuff that I'm playing public. Uh, it's available on my backlog. I'll put that in the show notes again. Um, and also one of the reasons we picked the DS is that it's pretty easy and cheap to get a DS secondhand right now in the way that it absolutely was not to get Game Boy Advance hardware and games yeah. while we were doing that episode, um, which is one of the reasons we wanted to do this is like you could like I got a DSi for myself for I think it was like $40 after shipping and you can get them much cheaper than that, especially if you get like a DS Lite, like the more popular models like the DS Lite are like so widely available the people are just giving them away with a lot of great games which is always yeah. the best part and i would say too most games are pretty affordable like there are only a couple i've run into that were like over 30 dollars. yeah you're not gonna um, get dragon quest yeah right <laughs> 
That's Brendan and I have a joke where if we see a Dragon Quest for sale that's under like a ridiculous amount of money, it's like I'm grabbing that with yeah, me. I will pick it up for under under a hundred dollars, which is really upsetting to say out loud, but that is my rule for myself. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I that's I saw Dragon Quest five for sale for like 90 and I was like that, that, that's it I gotta get it that's like the one to get too so yeah good. exactly but yeah I mean and also like on the other side too like emulation for the DS is pretty good as well it's pretty good <laughs> if you have access to that it's pretty good <laughs> It's really good. I'm such. I'm so lame. I'm like. I can just say it. It's not. No one's gonna bust me for this. <laughs> um. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Should we wrap up? Is that it? Yeah. I think. Um. I think I'm done. I think I'm good. That's the ep. That's the ep. We can't end a normal episode like we do patron episodes where it's just like a cut to black. Yeah. <laughs> get out. Get out. What are you doing here? Get out. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Into the cast at online is our hub for everything. Um, oh, we've got some announcements to make. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Do you want to you want to the floor is yours? OK, sure. Uh, cool. Yeah. Look, so we've been alluding to uh, Patreon updates for a couple weeks at this point, and there are two halves of it. There are two tiers that we wanted to add. Uh, to the Patreon and one of them is taking longer than the other. So we were like, let's just throw out the first one for now. Yeah. Uh, so if you are on the Patreon, you probably have already seen this because there will be an announcement on there, but we've added a $5 tier. So currently the way Patreon or, or I guess before today, the way the Patreon worked is like we have a $1 or more tier. You can pay what you want. Anything over a dollar gets you access to the RSS feed with all the Patreon bonus episodes um, of which there are a bunch. We kind of do them whenever they're not like on a set schedule, but it is is kind of like our sandbox for doing whatever we want. And that is going to stay the same. If you pay $1 or more, you will get that stuff. Yes. Uh, so we, we wanted to make it very clear to everybody that like if you are back in the Patreon at all, you will still get that stuff. Our thoughts about the Patreon have kind of evolved into moving your way up the tiers. Essentially, it's just like you're getting more cool stuff that is like about the show, but is not like more content because we didn't really want to withhold content from anyone. That's kind of been our MO like since the beginning of Into the Aether. Like even when we had a newsletter, we were like, this feels bad, actually, that we're doing all this stuff and like people don't get to read it. So then we made that public, too, anyway. So, yeah. That's been like our driving mantra the whole time. So the question was like, okay, so what do the Patreon tiers become then? So we've added a new $5 tier, which is essentially access to a database, uh, which will allow you to see every single episode of the podcast, every game that we talk about in every episode of the podcast, which is stuff that's already available, like in the show notes for the episodes, but specifically being able to look through a database to see this stuff will say like, okay, cool. Show me all the episodes that uh, we talked about Chrono Cross in, for example, and you will see the list of the, I guess, four episodes in which it came up. On top of that, we also have a list of all of the games that we're like excited about that are coming out in 2022 and beyond that you can like view as like a grid or a calendar or whatever. And I will be in there and like updating that list constantly. And I think that's kind of the, the biggest point of all of this is like this is a like big working public document where you can see like everything we've ever done, everything we're excited about, everything that we're doing and our plans in the future. So like you can see already in there, I would imagine, you know, what we're planning on talking about in the next episode like that is in there already, uh, I would imagine. And you can just check that database like literally at any time and check all that stuff. Um, and it also allows you to view all of this information in, like really fun, weird ways like, OK, show me all the episodes where we talked about Nintendo stuff, for example. 
and you will find out that we talk about Nintendo stuff a lot. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see the data. Like, what do we actually focus on the most? It's a pretty even spread. I was surprisingly even spread. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- that's that's kind of the thing. That's that's what the five dollar tier is. It's access to this database where you can get all this information, um, which I think is like fun if you're a fan of the show to like see kind of a little bit behind the scenes, like what we're working on, what we're thinking about, what we're planning. You can see all the goatee lists in there and things like that. So, yeah, that's what that is. It's it's really cool. I'm, I mean, you, you've done all the work to prep it and like you've done such a good job with it. So just thank you for that. too. Yeah, totally. It's stuff that I, I've seen people ask in the discord. Like they'll be like, oh, which episodes did this come up in? And like. Like, well, that is all there. That would require you scrolling through Spotify and like <laughs> spending hours to look through it. So I think I think yeah. it will be a, a pretty handy tool for a lot of people. Yeah, like there, there are some podcast apps like Pocket Cast, for example, where like you could go into the search bar on a specific show and like type yeah. in Chrono Cross and see what's in there. But being able to sort through that information or just like go scroll to Chrono Cross and double click on it and then see the list of all the episodes like it's it's a much easier way of viewing that information. Um, I think it's like a cool tool and it's a cool resource. And I'm I'm specifically very excited to just like keep it up yeah because one of the things that we have always talked about and have always focused on when talking about our patreon is like we don't want to burn ourselves out which is why we went from having like monthly patron episodes to just kind of doing like whenever i guess we're inspired to do them because they're always going to be better that way like they're always going to be like more exciting to us more engaging and i think better products at the end if like we're going into it with this sense of like excitement to be making something and not like a a need in a way. Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of it is just like sitting there and saying like, okay, what's the next patron bonus going to be? And like, you know, sometimes that was like a hard decision. Sometimes it was hard to come up with that. And then it's like, Oh, do I really feel great about this? I don't know. So now we're in this place where it's like, cool, we're making content when we're really excited about it. But that also means how do you grow the Patreon or like, how do you, how do you like add more perks to the Patreon? And like, this just kind of felt like an obvious one in a way, just because it allows us to also like work in that document as well. Um, and like, just plan for ourselves, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, take our Google calendar and just put it in this database. And like, suddenly now it's public information. It's very cool. So that's happening. That's available now. You can go check that out. On top of that, you have an episode coming out on Friday on the Patreon. Yes. I, uh, I guess, should I reveal what it is? I think so. I think now's the time if ever there was going to be one. (laughs) We've been hyping it up since like we started the show. (laughs) Um, so this Friday we will be releasing a patron bonus that is all about persona three, four and five. It is a gigantic episode with our good <laughs> friends, Alana Oaken and Callie Barth Dwyer. Um, Alana has been on the show before. Callie is a really good friend of ours and really into Persona, as is Alana. And you sadly aren't with us, but it was something where like, it was an idea that I really wanted to do. And like, I think you did too, but like you haven't played all of them. And that's like a 300 hour ask. And like, if there's ever an idea that one of us really wants to do, like, why not try it out with other people and see what happens, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And we always love having other friends on the show. So that was sort of the idea behind the persona one. I also got my friend, uh, our good friend, Will, who was with us on the mother three episode, Will Laporte. He did a lot of music for the episode that's inspired by the persona soundtracks. Um, and I will have done the episode arts. It's like a really big collaborative effort. I'm really, really, yeah, proud it's really of it. exciting. Thank you so much, AJ. I'm excited for you all to listen to it if you can. Uh, so I think for those of you who like don't back the Patreon, don't know what you're going to get in the feed. Like it's stuff like that. Like you and I did an episode about, arcane that league of legends show like you and i yeah. watched the whole first season we're like we have to talk about this you know things that we're like really stoked about things that are, are really inspiring to us um and we have uh, a bunch of ideas like that on the back burner um and you know like you said sometimes they'll involve both of us sometimes they'll involve one of us you and i had an idea recently that involved neither of us uh <laughs> which i think is really fun 
Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, th- that's just going to be like a cool, fun, experimental place for uh, weird episodes or uh, good high concept episodes uh, and everything in between, which is cool. So you will get that if you pay one dollar, which is cool. Uh, yeah. That's coming out on Friday. Uh, if you want access to that database, that's available for five dollars and up. And we also have an idea for a ten dollars here at the moment. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to get your feedback if you're interested in this, dear listener. But the thing that has been on the back burner for a really long time that we've been like trying to spin up, but like involves a lot of stuff uh, is a merch store because people have been asking us literally for like two years at this point for merch store, which is very flattering to be asked. That, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and we both have some like really big ideas about what that is. We have some like pretty strict guidelines about what we like want in terms of like where the where the stuff is getting made and and how it's getting shipped out and just like making sure it's like sustainable and good so there's a lot of that on one side and then on the other side like making a merch store and having this patreon means that we need it to become like an actual business and neither of us have ever like had a business before (laughs) so it's involved like a lot of like tax documents and legal shit and like going to uh six different banks to like try and open up a bank account that's been a whole process um that is like (laughs) mostly handled but also not which is why we're not launching it yet still yeah but uh, i think you and i thought that, that was going to be like a, a quick process and it turns out it very much wasn't um so point being uh the plan is to launch a merch store and then if you back the show at a ten dollar tier we're just going to have like a blanket coupon code for everybody who backs at ten dollars or up uh where you will just get like a huge percent off the merch essentially is how it's going to go so again it's another situation where it's like we don't want to withhold content from anybody and if you're backing the show at $10 a month, like, please do not pay full price for a shirt. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> uh, was our thought. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So the merch is going to be interesting. We have some ideas, some cool ideas. Um, a lot of you have also like pitched ideas in the past. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for you to see what we're working on. So that's coming soon. Uh, unfor- we wanted to launch all of this on April Fool's Day, which was going to be very funny. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, I do have it's a really later. cool card now, though. I've got like our sick, <laughs> like it says, like, I'm a businessman debit card. Like, it's like, <laughs> it was almost worth it. Although, I think it says, like, into the eighth or like, it cuts off. <laughs> it's like not even the full thing. <laughs> We did it. We're an LLC. We did it. We're we're a, we're a business, baby. Uh, baby. Money rocks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey. Thank you all so much uh, to those of you who backed the Patreon already. It really does Thank mean you. a lot to us. Yeah. Uh, as I was just saying about the merch store, people have been asking for it. People asked us to start a Patreon uh, way before we thought we were ever going to do that. Uh, so yeah. thank you to those of you who asked for it way back when. Thank you to those of you who are back in the show. You not only make all this stuff possible, but like our monthly bonus episodes that we already do are also like technically part of a Patreon bonus as well. It, our, our thing has always been as long as one person backs the Patreon, we will continue doing those monthly bonus episodes. This month is going to be Undertale, as we mentioned. Very um, excited. Which yeah. is cool. Um, and if you back the show, you get access to that RSS feed. So a lot of, lot of stuff going on there. Cool. I think that's all of it. <laughs> Into the cast online. A sincere thanks to everyone. Even even if you're not back in the show, just thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, this has been our biggest season yet. I'm really excited to see what the future holds for us, uh, what the alternate realities are for us, what decisions. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. I am Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.